Hey guys, it's Stacy Barnett with Sensibilities Nose Work, and um, I, I decided, you know what, it has been forever and a day since I've done a podcast. Um, I just wanted to really kind of reach out to you guys. I, I, I haven't done these in a long time. It's, it's really, it's honestly just because I've been so busy. There's, there's been so much going on. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm in Ohio right now. On my way to Illinois, I'm going to be doing a summit trial with with Judd, and then the day after I get back, I'm flying to Sweden uh, for um, uh, to to teach for for about four days, which I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, so I know that's a really bad excuse, the fact that I've been busy and everything uh, to not get these podcasts out there, but um, I, hopefully everybody will um, will forgive me. And um, but you know, and it's one of these things where sometimes I just have to think about you know what am I going to talk about and, and and ramble on about and. You know, and then you guys have to decide whether or not it's something that you actually want to listen to. Um, I just did a webinar on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. On Tuesday, that was all about trust. And I'm really kind of big on this topic right now. And I thought, I'm like, you know what? This would be a really great topic for a podcast. Um, it would be a really great topic for me to ramble on about uh, with, with you guys. So I, so anyway, that, that's what, that's what today is about. Today is about trust. Today is, is that, that word, that T-R-U-S-T, that five letter word that we all throw around in, uh, in nose work. And we throw it around with the term, trust your dog. Oh, I hate that term. How I hate that term. You know why I hate it? Because it's so one-sided, right? It's saying... Oh, I'm the perfect human. So, you know, I'm going to trust you, you imperfect canine, in your endeavors in trying to find the scented Q-tip. I'm going to, and it, it's a very, um, the term is just, it's very self-centered, I think. And I, I really, really hate the term. Because it assumes that the handler is doing no harm. Or doing, doing uh, having no issues. And that the dog just, you know, at is we, we just have to trust the dog, right? Because it, it has absolutely nothing to do with, um, uh, you know, with our, with our performance. And I think, I think the dogs kind of get the short end of the stick when we talk about trust your dog. I really do. I really, really do. Because I think the dogs need to be able to trust us. I think it's so, it's, that's really great if your dog trusts you, but does you, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I'll back that back up. That's really great if you trust your dog. But does your dog trust you, right? Does your dog trust you to always reward at, the, at a hide? Does your dog trust you to never question your dog? Does your dog trust you to always protect his self-confidence and to be in the present? These are really important things. Um, when we talk about trust your dog, we're talking about the skills of the dog. We're talking about trusting the dog's skills. Well, if you think back to uh, my cornerstones of trial preparation, it's, uh, it's a pyramid I, 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 that I developed and that I teach off of. And all of my training decisions are, ma are made off of this pyramid. The pyramid has four layers. And basically, um, each layer, the, the bottom layer is, is the most important layer, and you build, you build on your layers. And, um, and it, it really it works through, uh, through all levels of nose work um, in all organizations. Because it just, it's, it's just good dog training, right? So on the bottom, the bottom level is confidence. 
And then, the, then you have motivation, then you have skills, and then you have stamina. So all of this trust your dog stuff out there, it's all relying on the skills of the dog. So it, it's relying on the skills and is completely negating the dog's confidence and motivation. Now, if you think about it, the dog's confidence and motivation is where the dog develops trust in the handler. Um, now, I'm not saying it's one or the other. I actually think, you know, trust your dog and, and does your dog trust you, that it really needs to be a mutual trust. But I think we get so, um, so, so, it, I, I think we all have a slanted perception when it comes to trust your dog. Um, it, it's just one of those, those phrases, those turn of phrases that, that kind of bothers me. Um, the other thing is that with, with the term trust your dog, because it is such a flip phrase and it's such like a turn of phrase, um, I, I hate to say this, but, but we're able to say it in lieu of actually knowing what, you know, what we're trying to express. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a turn of phrase. So, so having a turn of phrase, uh, phrases are, or in commonly known phrases can be used in place of really understanding the issue and really understanding what's, what's driving the issue. Um, that's probably the nicest way I can say that. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's used in place of really understanding really what you're trying to get at. And I, and I think it's one of those phrases. You know, if something goes wrong, people just say, well, you have to trust your dog. So it becomes this, this big blanket Band-Aid. And, um, and that's what I have against, against the phrase. Um, so between that and the fact that it's very um, handler-centric and it's very, very much based off of the skills of the dog, um, where, you know, I really prefer to focus on the confidence and motivation of the dog. And if I focus on the confidence and motivation, that means I'm focusing on the, the, the emotional well-being of the dog. And, and I'm, I'm focusing on how do I become the better partner? Because I think that's the better perspective. Now the, there's, you know, the, the, the intention of the term trust your dog is fine, right? It's just fine. Um, you know, I understand the intention. I understand it's, it's all about relinquishing control, um, which is important, right? We do have to relinquish control when we are, uh, when we're searching and, and we're allowing the dog to work. Um, that part, I actually, I actually do agree with. It's, it's that, you know, that, that part, that's a big part of trust. But um, I think we end up, I really think we end up, you know, looking at it too much from the handler side. So I would love it if people were to start thinking, you know, does your dog trust you? And that this is a mutual trust. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. So there, there are some good things with, with the term trust your dog because you really do need to trust your dog. You really do need to place that, that, um, that honest belief in the dog's capability and allowing the dog to, to work things out and being patient and accepting what the dog tells you. That part is actually very, very important, and, and you know, I, I don't want to throw that out. But um, at the same time, you know, I, I want my dog to feel confident enough to be able to work on his own and be able to work independently. You know, this, is, um, this becomes painfully clear when you start working with dogs who might have uh, confidence issues or, or motivation issues. 
where, you know, they, or dogs that, that might be handler focused, right? These are the dogs that start to maybe look towards the handler a little bit more and they really need to be able to trust the handler. Um, these are the dogs that need a little bit of support in the search area. And supporting the search, su supporting your dog in the search area is, um, you know, it can it can look like a number of different things, but um, it really, uh, it, it really comes down to emotional support of the dog. And if your dog can trust you to hold up your end of the bargain, and I'm, I really do mean holding up your end of the bargain, meaning don't make the dog come back to the hide for a second time. Call the hide the first time. Um, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you always have that reward, right? Protecting the dog's self-confidence and, and really keeping, keeping your, your, your head in the game. You know, so if you're, if you have a dog who has confidence issues, th these things are critical. If your dog can't trust you, how are they supposed to build their own confidence? How are they supposed to become motivated about the sport? So if you have a timid dog or let's say a subtle dog, and we're going to talk about subtlety in a minute. Let's say a subtle dog, and um, you know, and 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 you 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 put the dog into a situation where you're doing a blind hide um, with a green handler who may not recognize the um, the indication. What you're going to get into is I call it a downward death spiral, right? Because what happens is, and this is you know to no um, fault of the handler. To know debt, you know, that it, it, it's one of these things where you you, you don't. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, but you know, you're 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 not aware of the challenges that are being placed in in terms of the dog's emotional well-being. When you have a, a a dog that has low confidence and you have a handler that's new, and you're doing a blind hide, it, it's really setting the team up for failure. Um, because what happens is, is the dog goes to the hide and the dog will indicate very, very subtly. The handler may not recognize it. So maybe the dog pauses for a second. Maybe the dog kind of looks at the handler with its eyeballs. I'm not talking a full, a full, uh, you know, full blown head, head turn. I'm talking just a little look with the eyeballs, maybe a little twitch of the tail. And then what happens is, is that the handler doesn't believe the dog. Right, because the handler is looking for something stronger because the dog is subtle. So the handler ignores the dog, and at this point, we've we've basically told the dog, "Okay, go out and find something," but that's not good enough. Your effort's not good enough. I know things are really hard on you, but it doesn't matter. Right. So what what happens is in that case, our dogs lose their self confidence. And once they lose their self-confidence, it's it would be, it's very very hard for them to progress um, very quickly in the sport. Um, when they lose their confidence, you know, in themselves, we end up losing our confidence in the dog, and you get into this downward spiral. And um, and usually, you know, when I talk to people. Um, I know exactly what's happening as soon as somebody says, I want a stronger alert. I know exactly what's going on. I don't even need to diagnose it. Um, if you have a situation where you, you need a stronger alert, it's because you probably have gotten into this into this downward spiral. 
Um, I'm not, you know, and I'm not against final responses or trained final responses. I'm really not against them. Um, I tend to not um, train them on purpose, but, you know, if, I, if my dog is going to give it to me and, you know, I'm going to, anyway, that, that's probably a subject of another podcast. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not about the alert, right? It's about the 95% of the communication that your dog's already given you. And this is why it's so important to be able to read your dog. And this is also why important why if you have this issue and your dog is not alerting strong enough for you and the dog is subtle, um, or the dog is losing confidence, or the dog doesn't have the trust in the handler, why you need to stop doing blind hides. Blind hides tend to be a lot of fun, right? We think we need to do them in order to uh, practice for a trial. But in reality, all we're doing is we're chipping away at our dog's self-confidence and we're chipping away that the dog, uh, uh, at the trust that the dog has in us. Because think about it this way. When we go into a trial, all we have on our side, besides cookies in the, in the bait pouch, is the trust that our dog has in us. That's all we have, right? We go to the line. Our dog has to trust us that we will fulfill our side of the bargain. If we can fulfill our side of the bargain, nine times out of 10, the dog will, uh, will, will work to fulfill their side of the bargain. Because this is fun, this is a fun activity. Um, you know, and, the, and then the, the, the thing about mutual trust is, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's, it goes two ways, but, the, um, but first and foremost, you have to, your dog has to, has to trust you. But you don't want to be in a situation where that's, the norm, you know, because that, that we're testing what our training is the norm. Because that's really what a trial is, right? It's a test. It's a test of our training. So if we think back to blind hides, what are blind hides? Blind hides, are, they're, they're nothing but a test. And, um, and, and, and so Let's let's think about this in term in human terms because sometimes it, it can be hard to think about this in, in dog training terms. Let's say you're in school. Um, I'm going to say you know college because it's it's probably been a long time since since most of us have been in any kind of school. Um, so I'm going to talk say college, and I'm going to say all right, I'm your new professor, and I'm I'm actually going to be your uh, I don't know something something difficult. Your quantum mechanics professor. Uh, now I have to tell you, I had a really hard time with quantum quantum theory, um, but I'm going to be your quantum mechanics professor, and I'm not. But I'm not really going to teach you because I want to test you. So instead of building your confidence and teaching you all about you know uh, quirks and you know and all those all those kind of things, um, I can't even remember. It's been so many years, but uh, you know, all about the, you know, neurons and, um, you know, and ions and all, all kinds of good stuff. I, I like I said, I'm, I'm totally out of it in terms of quantum, quantum mechanics. Um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, instead of teaching you about that, I'm going to test you. And I figure, you know, you're, you're going to have to be tested at the end of the semester anyway, so I might as well just test you every day. Every day you're going to have a quiz. 
Um, and it's up to you. I'm just going to assume that you know what you're doing. You, you know all about quantum mechanics. You know all about um, the, you know, how, how all that kind of works. And, and I know I completely stepped in it when I said neurons and ions and, you know, I'm, I'm confusing my sciences, um, which goes to show you how, how long it's been since I've studied physics. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you read the book on your own, but because you're a good student, I think you're just going to know this, right? And because you're, you're a good student, you're just going to know this. I'm just going to keep testing you. Now, let's, let's say you get a test every day and your efforts in class are all in testing and it's not on teaching. That's what we do with blind hides. Okay? Because imagine how you would feel. You would feel, you know, that, that um, you'd probably lose a lot of self-confidence. You'd probably have a lot of self-doubt. You'd have self-doubt. You would not be learning as nearly as much as if you would if, if the professor actually, you know, lectured and, and, and gave you some hands-on work. So you're not going to learn. You're going to have anxiety. And how is that anxiety going to make you feel about quantum mechanics? Um, it's probably not going to make you feel very good, right? So... It, this it's the same type of thing. When we ask our dog, our green dogs, to do blind hide after blind hide after blind hide, we're basically telling them, "I'm going to quiz you on quantum mechanics today." And um, and you know, and then and then we're going to say, "Well, well, I trust you. I trust you. I I trust that you that you'll do this." Um. You know, so it it it's just something to think about, right? It's just something to think about. I think, so blind hides. Blind hides are one of the worst things that we can do with um, tour dogs training. Um, it's really hard as an instructor because I have to tell you that our students, they all want to practice, right? They all want to practice blind hides. And you put out some hides and you say, okay, we're, you know, I'm going to tell you where the hides are. And I can tell you that 90% of the time your students will say, no, I want to do it blind. I'm of the I'm of the mind that you have to put your foot down and say no. You need to know where the hides are, um, and, and 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 it's because of this trust um, conundrum that we have. And this is especially goes for our greener dogs. Um, our greener dogs, you know, our handlers should not be doing blind hides. Like maybe maybe ten percent of the time when they get close to a trial, um, but in the beginning they really need to know where the hides are. Uh, you're you're going to find that as your dog grows in self-confidence, the handler will grow in self-confidence. And then once the handler and the dog grows in self-confidence together, they start to trust each other. That's when you get into true trust of your dog, right? And your true dog trusting in you. That's mutual trust. But mutual trust can only be accomplished through um, known hides. I really, really believe that. And then once you get into blind hides, it's essential that you have good hide placement. That's probably going to be a topic of another podcast because, you know, good hide placement is, um, is essential when it comes to um, supporting that trust that, that, the, that the dog and the handler have together. Um, so if you're, if you're setting hides, you actually have a lot of responsibility on your hands um, because what you don't want to do is to frustrate, frustrate either the dog or, or a green handler. Um, green dogs and green handlers are very fragile. 
you know, you, you need to take care of them. Um, and, and you have to, you have to build the self-confidence because it's that self-confidence that is going to carry them through, um, their career and nose work. So I've gotten off on a lot of tangents, but, um, but I really think that this is, this is actually really, really important. So, so how do you know if you have a trust issue? And, um, you know, I think I spoke briefly. I can't remember. Did I talk about the show me's? Um, the show me's, if you test your dog's final response to odor, you know, the dog goes to a hide, the dog is subtle and the dog kind of walks, starts to walk away because the dog's been subtle and the dog's getting ignored. So you get the handler that says, show me, show me, show me, right? That is an indicator that you have a trust issue. That's an indicator. If you worry that your dog will walk on odor, um, if you worry, and, and what I mean by that is cataloging. If you worry that your dog's going to catalog and your dog's going to, um, to have some odor obedience issues, you might have a trust issue. If you ever, and this is, this is definitely a big peeve of mine. If you ever tell anybody that your dog lied, dogs don't lie. Okay. Dogs don't lie. Um, they're, they do what they're reinforced for or they, or they don't do what they're not reinforced for. Right. Same thing. Um, Dogs don't lie. But so if you have, if, if you think your dog lies, you have a trust issue. Uh, you might have a trust issue. Um, if you have a history of false alerts. So if you have a history where your dog um, has been, you know, maybe is unclear on the criteria and what they're trying to do, or maybe, maybe you're giving a lot of um, inadvertent body language um, that is pointing your dog into, um, into one direction or another. Um, and you know, maybe handling is another topic for podcast. Oh, I'm getting all these ideas. So, you know, so maybe you're, you're handling, maybe you, you inadvertently, um, block the dog in an area, but whatever it is, um, or your dog ha needs clarity and training, whatever it is, um, you're getting false alerts. So any of these things might, you know, you might have a trust issue. Uh, and this is what you need to resolve before you start to um, do blind hides. Um, and it's, it's something that, that you need to resolve before you, before you try to trust your dog. Because it's, it's not chicken and an egg. There really is a, a, a beginning and, and a, like, a, like a first things first. First things first is your dog has to trust you because that's that confidence and motivation layer. You trusting your dog gets into skills. That's a, that's the next layer up. So it's important for the dog to trust you before you trust your dog. I mean, you know, you always trust your dog, but before you focus on trusting your dog, before you worry about trusting your dog, your dog has to first trust you. So let's talk about building trust and and what happens there. Um, trust is built off of um, off of our dog's history, our history of reinforcement, our history of, um, you know, of of when the dog is rewarded and, you know, and, and basically a reward history. Um, I truly believe that you have, you have two buckets. You have a negative trust bucket and you have a positive trust bucket. Now, um, what we need to do is we need to weight our positive trust bucket heavier than our negative trust bucket. Now we can't just automatically say, you know, I'm going to wave my magic wand and my dog is going to trust me again. Because dogs, because trust is based off of history. If we have a history of doing things that are causing mistrust in our dogs, um, first of all, we have to cease and desist that, you know, doing what we're doing. But secondly, we have to repair that history. And the way we repair that history 
is um, we don't do blind hides and we don't do blank areas for a while. Um, and, and keep in mind that every search you do either adds to the positive trust bucket or, or it adds to the negative trust bucket. We don't want to add to that neg negative trust bucket. So what you do is you set up um, searches where you know where the hides are. And, you know, you try to be, you know, a good actor and, you know, not, you know, point out, you know, not use your body language to push the dog into the hide. But let the dog work it out, and then when your dog gets to gets to the hide, mark with a yes, and then go in and, and feed with a feed with a cookie or play with a toy or whatever, however you reward. Um, you need a history of that. You need a history of dog searches, dog finds odor, you pay. Dog searches, dog finds odor, you pay. That's the history you need to build. Okay, if you can do that, and you can avoid those blind hides, you can break that cycle. Which is, you know, it, which is really the important thing. So going back to the subtle thing, um, if you can break that cycle, you're going to find that, that your, dog, um, your dog becomes less subtle because your dog has more confidence. Because again, the, the indication itself is a skill. It's also a skill. It also happens to be a skill that the dog has to feel safe and the dog has to feel confident in order to, um, to show that skill. So... Um, so, so by breaking the cycle, you're going to find that your dog's indication gets stronger and stronger. So when you think that you need a stronger alert, think about this, think about trust, think about confidence, and then really ask yourself, is the alert the issue? Because I have to tell you, 95% of the time, the alert is not the issue. So kind of gets us into, um, oh, there's so much we could talk about, so much we could talk about. What happens in a trial? You know, if things kind of go south in the trial, um, you know, you, you, you never know. It, it's you, you could all of a sudden, you know, something goes on and your dog could lose some confidence um, or maybe maybe you're you're nervous, you know, going in. Uh, that's normal. Um, having those nerves that can um, that can affect, you know, because all of a sudden, you know, your dog's at the end of the leash. They know when you're nervous. Right. They know they're like, oh, mom's got three heads today. Right. They know that. So all that, you know, travels down the leash and, um, and it's, it's, it can be tough on them, but the name of the game in a trial situation is support and protect. So if you can support your dog and you can protect your dog, um, your dog is going to be in a better situation. Now we all know, you know, sometimes our, our dogs actually go into a search area and they're a little nervous. Uh, you might get, you know, maybe the dog does a shake off, which is actually a release of adrenaline. Maybe they do that. Maybe you see a slight yawn. Um, you know, maybe you see it kind of like a nervous behavior, which is, you know, just a symbol of nerves, but nothing so much that, um, that you have to worry about the dog. That's usually salvageable when that happens. And, and the dog can usually throw that, that slight anxiety off and continue to work and, and, you know, you can go in and reward. Um, now if you weren't training and you were only trialing, and, uh, and you were putting your dog in this, into a tough situation, I could see how, how trust would erode. So that's something to think about. Make sure you train more than you trial. Um, but, you know, that's workable. That's a workable situation. But what happens if the dog really is having, this goes into confidence issues, but it's, it's also kind of a trust issue thing. Um, we put the dog, because the dog trusts us to, to not put them into scary situations. But let's say we put the dog into like a, an untenable situation where maybe it's really hot, maybe it's really scary, maybe it's hot and scary, 
and we start seeing our dog shut down. This could, this could look like a lot of different things, right? This could look like, uh, you know, maybe the dogs really stop searching. Maybe they're just, they're just kind of wandering around. Maybe they're trying to leave or they're going really, really, really slow um, or slower than normal. Or, or conversely, you might have panicked behavior. They're trying to, they're trying to leave. Or you could even, even in some cases, get some aggression or reactivity issues. In this case, there is only one thing that you can do, and that is to stop the search. Um, no cue is worth it. It's just not worth it. But, you know, working a stressed dog is never a good idea. And this all goes back to trust because our dogs trust us to, to keep them safe. Um, and and, and that's, that's really, really important. So um, what else can we talk about? So remember, it's mutual trust. And uh, I'm probably going to wrap this one up pretty soon. But I just wanted to get something out to you guys. This is a little bit more of a mini pod. A little short podcast. Um, I just wanted to leave this with you guys that it's about mutual trust, right? It's not just about trust your dog. It is about, does your dog also trust you? Or first and foremost, does your dog trust you? Secondly, do you trust your dog? The two of them come together for mutual trust. And if you can build that mutual trust, that's the key. The key is not trusting your dog because that, that's only one, that's one-sided. That's half of the equation. The key is mutual trust. And if you can get that mutual trust, I can guarantee you that you're going to um, see huge leaps in the motivation that your dog is showing uh, when searching uh, because all of this is tied up in, in with that. So, so I'm going to leave you guys. Um, have a great night. And uh, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning right now. Um, I'm, I tend to get up in the middle of the night and do kind of, you know, I sleep in shifts, which is probably not so great, but... That's how I sleep. Um, so I just decided to chat with you guys for a little while. So anyway, have a great time. Until next time, uh, happy sniffing.